Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the College Football Playoff Extravaganza Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Very excited to be joined here today by Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff. Bill, we're recording a few days before the big games start, uh, and you've got some big ones. Michigan versus Alabama, Washington versus Texas. How are you doing? Doing great. Really looking forward to these games. I imagine. I imagine. So, so some news in your in your front in the last uh, in the last few months. You are stepping down as executive director when your contract is up next year. I'm, I'm curious, looking back over the, the entire run of, of the four team college football playoff as we get ready for 12 teams. Uh, I'm curious what your business takeaways are. What, what has surprised you about the endeavor? What has been more challenging or easier than you thought? Well, it's been tremendously successful. Uh, viewership, second only to Super Bowl, all across the sports calendar. Uh, people love their college football, and they love the college football playoff. So we, we, uh, we could not feel any better about the popularity of the event. Um, I don't know. Consequences, unintended consequences. One could be that it's, uh, it's very hard if you get left out. If you're a conference or a school and you get left out, it's hard. And, I mean, that, that goes with anything. In my days at the NCAA with the basketball tournament, we always had, in my day, we had Team 65, who was terribly disappointed. Uh, but but the, the consequences of getting left out are, are have been pretty tough. We saw that in stark relief this year. Obviously, Florida State going undefeated, uh, its football team losing out on on, on the four team semifinal. Was that the hardest uh, the hardest decision that you think your committee has had to make in in, in, in the so. twelve or 10, 10 years you've been doing this? Yeah, I think so, Evan. And it's because the circumstances lined up the way they did. We had seven, eight really good teams, uh, all of whom could have made a strong case to be in the playoff. 
and we haven't had that very often in the past. So it was just uh, it was just a matter of the circumstances being what they were made it made it a challenge for the committee. But I'm confident the committee got the right teams, and I, I think as a sports person, people just have to ask themselves who, who's better, who's a better team, Alabama or Florida State. And I'm, I understand the debate. I understand partisan feelings. I understand people loving their schools. But if you ask a neutral person and just say, who's better, uh, I, I think the answer is pretty clear. We've had, there have been Florida politicians that are up in arms about this. Obviously, people at Florida State. Walk me through what the last few weeks have been like for you. Is your phone ringing off the hook and people asking you to justify the decision? How much anger are you getting from fans? What, what exactly has this looked like? Well, we've gotten a fair amount, and, and, and I don't blame people. that They love their school, and uh, I, I do blame people that use threatening language and uh, that use what my mother used to call ugly language, <laughs> and uh, we, we've gotten a fair amount of that. I, re I really don't pay attention, though, to those. Uh, I like to respond to people, but if they use, uh, again, what mother called ugly language, why well, I just... Uh, I don't. I, I drag them to the trash and move on. It's a reflection of passion for college football. And I mean, the other thing I don't exactly. like is when people impinge the integrity of the committee. Don't do that. Don't do that. These are 13 high integrity people um, who are volunteer and they work really hard and they're confident they got the right teams. Scott's been having some audio trouble, so I'm not sure if he's going to be able to join us. But I know one question he did have for you. Why does why does anybody want to be on the committee? What is the motivation for people knowing exactly what you're saying, that, that they're going to have a hard decision and you're going to have a, a big fan base that's inevitably very angry every December? Why would people put themselves through that, through that decision? Well, you know, every NCAA sport has a committee. Uh, baseball, softball, every sport, track and field, uh, soccer. And uh, we're, we're just like that, even though we're not the NCAA, but we have a sports committee. And I think the answer is the same for every one of those NCAA sports committees and ours, is that people want to give something back to the game. The game that they love, um, a game that, that in many cases helped them get a start down the right path in life. And if people want can, can give something back to the game in an opportunity like this, they want to do it. Uh, I think this is the most prestigious sports committee. Uh, you can make a case that maybe men's, maybe men's basketball, um, but in terms of the prestige, in terms of the scrutiny, uh, this is at the top of the charts. I do think there's a big difference between choosing the four best teams in anything and choosing the 68 best teams in anything, right? The the the, the level of the team that gets eliminated at the back end of that is, is a very different level, uh, which brings me to the 12-team play. How different do you think this decision is next year when they're choosing between 12 and 13 in some ways as opposed to choosing between four and five? Well, it's commonsensical that the, the pressure point now is four to five. And the pressure point then will be 12 to 13, except not not really, because if you if as you know it's the top six, it will be the top six conference champions, and then the next six at large teams. So it may not always be 12 to 13, but the pressure, the disappointment will be the same. In yeah. fact, you might even have more teams uh, disappointed because they think they, they they should have been in that top 12. That remains to be seen. 
from a business standpoint, how much bigger an endeavor do you see a 12-team uh, enterprise being versus the, the four-team that, that we've had for the past decade? You know, from a, from a marketing standpoint, I just think we're going to have more football, more meaningful football, and my goodness, uh, that, that's going to be great for the game. I expect we'll bring new fans into college football who may not have followed it as closely as, as you and I have. Uh, that'll also be good for the game. Um, so yeah, business. Well, I think I think I think we're going to sell more merch. We're just going to have more interest in college football because of because of the twelve. One of the biggest pieces of that business puzzle is obviously the the media deals. I know you guys are in the market right now, talking to ESPN and and others. Give us an update uh, where you can right now and at the end of December 2023, where those talks stand um, and, and what you maybe foresee as being the end result when, when those deals are done. Well, it's a negotiation, uh, and I'd rather not go down the path of uh, talking very much about a negotiation, but uh, uh, we're working. Uh, it's, it's been positive, good exchanges, uh, lots of interest in, in this event. So we, we feel good about where we are. It's a tough time in the in the marketplace. The NBA is going through this right now as well. That that the, 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 there there have been boom and bust times. I think for for national media and and this is a tough time. Uh, is there any any talk about maybe doing a, a two year bridge deal, trying to do something that gets you a little bit further away from right now to try to set the the, the, the longer term, more desired packages in place? It, it is a tough time in the media business. Um, and people have commented that we, if we had been able to expand when we hoped to three years ago, two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that things might be different. We were in a different time then. But but it, it is what it is, and uh, we're, we're going to do very well. One of the big kind of debates that every major sports league or sports property has when they when they sell their media rights is is, is money versus reach. Right, and some some leagues want the most money possible, and and some leagues want uh, want want as much reach as possible, and sometimes those things opposite work, work in opposite ways. I'm curious what you think about for for the college football playoff. Do you want the most amount of people able to watch it? Do you want the most amount of money to come in that you can then distribute and and, and help make college football better? What is the wh- wh- where's the priority land for you? Well, we don't believe they're mutually exclusive. First of all, um, yeah. And that that's that's our approach. Gotcha. Okay. Can you guys hear uh, me now? Yeah, we got you, Scott. Look oh, at that. Oh my lord, <laughs> late, Bill! Hello. Late arrival. <laughs> Wait, there is a Scott. Oh my goodness, there, there, there is. There, there is. He exists. Uh, for the listeners, uh, I'm sure everybody has had uh, technical issues before. I've been trying to join for the whole time. I could see it the first, then I couldn't. Then I came in. You guys couldn't hear me. I, I'm like, if I miss my opportunity to chat with Bill Hancock, I am going to be one upset puppy. So <laughs> I, I am glad that I'm joining now. Bill, thank you uh, for, uh, for your patience. I mean, anyone has to deal with Novi Williams that long, just one-on-one, <laughs> doesn't just, you know, cruel and unusual. But uh, well, I, I, think I, I this, do appreciate it. I, I think Evan did a great job. And, Scott, I'm not, I'm not real sure we need you. No, oh, yeah, I guarantee so I, you don't. Need I say that, that every no, 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 week. I ga- oh, no, no, no. I, I am not every so week. disillusioned. As to th- <laughs> See, that's the difference here, Bill. What you get in this show is real. You get the real here. We don't cover our warts, our mistakes. We don't edit out. I, I have no no qualms with, with, with admitting that Novi does not need me on this show. That's for sure. But I do bring a certain you know, je ne sais quoi, if you will. I believe that's an Oklahoman term, if I'm not wrong, right? Is that, yeah, you, uh, you guys coined that there. Eastern, Eastern, I, Eastern Oklahoma. 
Yeah, Eastern Oklahoma, right? So, you, you, I, if if you were asked this, I appreciate, it, but I bet you uh, you guys have not touched on this yet. Nevin, I'm just going to jump right in now. Bill, my background way back in the day was in sports radio. You know, I, I was at WFAN in New York at the start, back when Don Imus was doing the morning show, and uh, Mike and the Mad Dog were a big thing, and Steve Levy and Richard Neer had their show, and I was like the lowly intern trying to do my stuff. One of the things I was responsible for was screening callers for the late-night talk shows like Steve Summers and the like. So we've never done callers on this show, but we do have a few callers, and our, our board has – it's absolutely lighting up. Everybody's from Tallahassee. You okay with taking these calls? <laughs> Boy, I would like to have been a fly on the wall when you were screening those calls back in the WWE <laughs> day. Let me tell you, yeah, what I used to do, and, and you know, you remember the blue books that you get from the leagues? Sure. I would cold call the athletes in their hotel rooms. I mean, that's what we were supposed to do, and they knew the deal, they knew the game, and some would tell you to, you know, beep, and some would be happily come on and give you some of the best 10, 20 minutes of radio that, that were out there. So uh, I, I did that. I don't think kids do that anymore, so... Um, I, I think they need to learn how to talk to people by calling an athlete who just lost the game in the hotel room afterwards. That's how you learn this business. Oh, boy, those were the days. Uh, uh, Eben, you hear somebody say those were the days. Do you know I'm about to sing? You know what song that was? From what? Oh, what uh, I do not do you know what you're know, about give, me the, give me the sitcom. <laughs> See, Bill, you and I know where I'm going with this. If I said I those not. were the days. Anything, Eben? You know? This is why this show works. It's a generational divide. God, go look up All in the Family, Eben, please. Come on. <laughs> but that's when we had three channels. Um, Bill, let me, let me ask this, though. Big picture. I know we just went off the rails there for a little bit, but that's what I do when I come in. What, can you give me your assessment of the overall media landscape? Just from, I mean, you and I come from a time, you know, hey, there's three channels. It's on CBS, ABC, or NBC. That's it. And then Fox came in, built it, you know, by the way, built its reputation on the NFL. Just give me your overall media landscape in terms of streaming, over the air, direct to consumer. Where, where do you go with your, if you're a sports provider, you've got IP, you've got content? I mean, kind of, kind of be a kid in a candy store. Well, it is a kid in a candy store. And I just think we, all of us understand the power of this right here. And who I never would have thought I would be watching games on this, but I do. And, and that's only going to grow. Um, we're, and talk to my grandchildren, and, and they watch a lot on, on their phones. So we just have to be aware of that. It's, it's, it's a new day. Yeah, I talk about all the time. My focus group of one is my 14-year-old. You say, do you really, do you pay attention from a business standpoint to what your grandkids are doing? Do you talk to them about what they're watching, how they're watching, what they want, what their friends are doing? Yep, sure, I do. And and, and my grandkids are a little older, 23, 21, and 17. That that counts. It doesn't matter. That so, counts. Yeah, yeah, but they, 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 they watch a lot on their phones. Do they watch the games? Uh one does. One's, one's a big fan of a certain team. Well, one's a big fan of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And so she watches She watches on her phone. Uh, most of the rest of the others generally watch highlights. No surprise there. Um, but we, we have to understand that's the world. And then we have to somehow predict what is the world going to be in 10 and 15 and 20 years. I, I don't know the I, answer. I have, I have this theory that that college sports sets up way better for the changes in in media consumption than than professional sports, and 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 the thinking there going that 
a lot of young sports fans uh, are, are kind of agnostic in who they root for. The geographical connection maybe doesn't hit them as much. They're playing video games. They're playing as a bunch of different people. Their allegiances depend on, on who's playing for what team, etc. But it feels like college allegiances stay more geographic than the professional ones. You're more likely to root for the college that your, your, your parents went to or that, that is the local team, uh, way more so than, than professional ones. I'm curious what you think about that, Bill, if you think that college football and then maybe college sports more, more broadly is maybe more insulated from some of these trends that we're talking about. I, I think you're right about that. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding, of course. But we have something remarkable in college athletics, and it is that you, you just touched on it. I'm going to go to campus on Saturday morning. My granddaddy stood next to this tree at the corner of Lindsay and Asp, you know, 80, 50, 80 years ago. And I'm going to go stand by my grandfather's tree. And that's what we have in college athletics. It's awesome. And, and I think that's why Nebraska can sell 80,000 seats to a women's volleyball game, right? But a, but a professional women's volleyball game obviously would not get anywhere near that near that kind of attention it's it, it's the it's the brands and again it goes beyond football but it is the brand and the local allegiances i think that are driving the business yeah i think i think this and i talk about this a lot the lincoln AAA tigers w- would not draw the way the corn huskers draw they, they just wouldn't of course yeah, Bill, Evan and I have talked about this for years. We always talk about which is the more powerful brand. And I think it's a perfect time for the conversation because video games obviously cannot use name, image, and likeness now. You've had to suspend some of them in the college athletic world. Not yet. Question for you. <laughs> yeah. Question for you. What would you rather go see? The best players, an all-star team, two all-star teams of college football from around the nation. Team A with the real players. I mean, you know, the, the big-name players versus Team B on some neutral site field that doesn't matter? Or would you rather go see Michigan play Ohio State, maize and blue, you know, versus Ohio, versus Ohio State? This, the brands of the team and the university versus the brands of the individual athletes. Which game would you go see? Well, I'd go see Michigan-Ohio State. Right. It doesn't matter, right? I'm, I'm with you. I'm saying I think college sports is in, in just a, a great position because the brands that matter the most – are the universities. Those are enduring brands that the people root for, not the players. They come and go every four years as it is. Bill, how much do you think name, image, and likeness changes have affected the, the enterprise of college football? Obviously, it's, it's a lot, but I'm curious from, from where you sit, how you think the, the kind of downstream effects have been. It is a lot, except I tend to judge it by what I hear from fans and what I see from fans. And, and I don't think it's affected fans one bit. They're still yep. going to the game. They're still cheering for the Cornhuskers. Um, now, what will that be like in five years? I don't think any of us knows. But, man, right now, I, I don't think Joe Fan cares. He just wants to see his team play. So how did the coaches, or is this just a self-serving statement, how did so many coaches get that wrong? Remember, if players were going to be paid, that would be the death of college athletics. Nobody wants to see them as professionals. We heard that from the a NCAA lot of people. Yeah, we heard that from a lot of people around the sport on the governance side. Yeah, and, and frankly, it, it, it may still be. Those coaches may be right. And you have to understand what, what all this has done for coaches in a negative way for their lives. And, you know, it's, it's just way different for them. And... 
I, I think this, uh, if we ever lose the fact that that quarterback is going to school at my alma mater, he's sitting in the same classrooms I sat in, uh, he's there to get an education, he's going to get an education, he may, he may be making a million dollars a year, and maybe he's going to the NFL, that's always been the case, but by golly, he is a college student, and if we ever lose that, we're in, we're in deep trouble. I think there's what a chance side? that could the be kids lost. Care? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that. But I, mean, I, I went to school a long time ago, Bill. I was at Syracuse University and, you know, roaming with some of the biggest names in sport. I think the prevailing sentiment back then was even that. Eh, some of these guys don't go to class. They're here to play basketball. They're here to play football. Some, and I didn't care. I just wanted to be entertained. Yeah, some of them. Some of them at the time. But yeah. if, if, we, if we lose the educational component then we become more like those Lincoln Tigers that I talked about. Yeah. And it just wouldn't be the same, in my opinion. What about, a, what about a, a setting up a situation or a, a major where the premier athletes at Division I universities could major in things that really affect what they're there to do, professional sports, media training, finance, uh, things like that. They really set up a major that is geared toward a professional athlete. That might work, um, but you have to realize what a small, small percentage of the athletes would fit into that category. Yeah, but those are the—I think those are the people who would be most apt to not be there for the education. Like these are these are the big brand best players on the teams. That if they were, if anybody was going to blow off class, it would be them. Now they'd have a reason to actually go matriculate and say, "Oh, this this actually helps me with what I'm trying to do down the line." <laughs> I, I wish we'd had classes like that when I was in college, frankly. <laughs> Didn't you ever hear of Rocks for Jocks? Didn't you take that? I did not take Rocks for Jocks. I, was, <laughs> I, I took I, physics I, for poets. I, I was not the latter, let me say that. <laughs> By the way, Bill, how do you think uh, Eben was a lightweight football player at Princeton University? I mean, are we, are we taking that seriously? You take that seriously? I love lightweight football. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you, Bill. Friend. Eben, thank they don't you. call it that anymore, right? They call it something it's else now. Sprint football is what they sprint. call it now. Yeah, sprint. yeah. I think maybe someday football. there'll be a, a college football playoff for sprint football. Army and Navy <laughs> will be playing each other every uh, every year for the championship. <laughs> oh, and I was a I was a, uh, a, a slovenly old young sports writer in my college day, so I didn't I didn't get to play. I did take up endurance sports and ran fifteen okay. marathons, rode my bicycle across the country twice. So Whoa, uh, I found my cool. niche in, in endurance sports. What uh, what marathons? Oh, ran Boston, did qualify for Boston, ran there, ran New York City twice, uh, ran Dallas four times. Uh, I ran a 306, that was my PR, and that's Whoa. a pretty good time for an amateur. <laughs> that's that's uh, a very good time, Bill. That's yeah, a very seven, good time. I don't know, 705 per mile or whatever, but I was ticked off because I wanted to get under three hours. Um, yeah, I, I love oh, I've done I love a, uh, I've I love done my num- cross-country bicycle ride. I've done a... M- I've done a number of marathons in my life, but never, never a 306 or uh, or anything, frankly, uh, particularly close. What's to your that. PR, so Evan? I What's am, your best? I'm very. Prepared. What's your best? Uh, 321, I think, is the is the best. I ran in New Jersey a couple years ago, that's which darn, I was very happy with. But that um, is darn fine, not, Evan. It's not darn getting me into fine. Boston, that's for sure. <laughs> well, when you get to be 40 years old, you'll have a chance. So <laughs> Maybe someday. Fit. 
I am curious, Bill, going back to, to some changes that have happened. The, 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 the collapse of the Pac-12, the, the consolidation of power seemingly and money at, at, at the SEC and the Big Ten, do you think that's good for the playoff? Do you think you're, you're, you're losing something when, when, when that happens? How do you see the, the, the conference changes that are happening? Uh, the demise of the Pac-12 is heartbreaking for me, um, frankly unthinkable. Uh, but you have to realize that schools can decide what conferences they want to be in. And that's always been the case. Um, good for the game. I think the game is better off with a strong West Coast presence. And that may be maintained by the schools, even though they're in different conferences. The jury's out on that. Hey, but let yeah. me get your take on what I believe will be my hypothesis for the future of <coughs> high-level college football. That private equity firms will swoop in take control, pull them out, have it be totally separate from every other sport, and you can have you can have the Pac-12. Uh, every other sport will compete in Pac-12, but football will be a different animal. It will be a fully run for-profit venture, whether it's a top 64, whatever it may be. But private equity loves undervalued properties, and uh, my guess is that that is, that is who's going to come in and change the entire scope of college athletics in terms of football anyway. Um, I don't see it, Scott. That's, that's a, not an uncommon opinion, as you know, um, but I don't see it. Why is that? It gets away from the, the mission of what we are, the educational mission. My opinion. You, you we, have we, a, we, we solicit them all? As, as we mentioned, Bill, there's a new executive director coming in, um, Richard Clark from Air Force coming in in February. I'm sure you guys have talked extensively. What what are the biggest pieces of advice that you have given him, things that you know he has to deal with, things that you've learned from being on the job? Well, first of all, know that you're you're getting into the best job in America. Uh, You work in college football 24-7, 365. Oh, my goodness. It's been awesome. And I've, I've told him that two or three times. Just get ready for your... You're, you're in the, you're, you are in the best job in the best industry. Um, he's a great guy. He's, he's actually going to start in June, so I'll be, I'll be in the director's chair till then, and then I kind of slide off into the, the advisory chair. Um, getting the 12 going is obviously, duh, the, the main thing for us. And I told our staff when we first started, I said, let's do everything we can to be ready to have a 12-team tournament right now, December of 23. And we didn't quite make it, but, but we're close. Uh, there's so many details to be managed, and I think we've I think we've checked most of them off of our list. So yeah, that, that's what I said. Just get ready for the excitement of 12. Um, get ready to deal with the media. Um, some people don't like that. Some people are scared of it. I, I, I do like it. I, I'm, I, I used to be one, so. I know how reporters think, and I want to try to help them do their jobs. What are some of the things you said getting ready for a 12-team playoff now, and obviously hard? What are some things that we might not be thinking about that that, that goes into that? What what are some of the sticking points that 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 beyond venue and media and things like that that are that that, that might be particularly interesting for people? Uh, venue is important. To tickets, ticket allocations. How many go to the visiting team? Uh, how many does your conference require you to give to the visiting team? And what's the delta? And, and say the delta might be, we're going to find 2,000 more tickets in our stadium. Where do they come from? 
Uh, what about lodging? Where do the teams stay uh, when when they when they're going to find out ten days before that they're going to go to Stillwater to play the game? Um, transportation. Uh, those those kinds of logistical things that I really enjoy. And, and by the way, we have answers to all those. Um, I think that's the fun part of this. Just like the fun part for me was setting up the CFP, moving to this from uh, from the BCS. That was really fun. And, and no one will ever have an opportunity like the one I got to have when we started the CFP, when the commissioner said, okay, you're the only staff member, make it happen. Get a staff, get a selection committee, get, get game dates, make it happen. Oh my goodness, what an awesome opportunity that was. And the same thing awaits us as, and, and Rich as he goes into the 12-team event. What's the first thing you did? I mean, you have a daunting list of things that I'm curious. You remember? What was the first thing you had to check off your to-do list? Um, get a couple more staff members. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, so I didn't have to do clone, it. All. Clone yourself. Yeah, so I didn't have to do it all myself. Um, but we moved pretty quickly into getting a TV contract and then getting bowl games to host, uh, host the, 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 the semifinals. And, and um, those were among the first things. Get an office. We didn't have an office. Um, that was yucky, going around to different office buildings with a realtor, and they kept giving us cookies, and I didn't want any more cookies. <laughs> but we have a beautiful space here in, uh, in Irving, Texas. Yeah, so I apologize if you guys did this before I was able to get on, though, but this is the time of year you know, where everybody makes their predictions, Bill, and I don't know if you'd take a peek at those, but uh, our own Anthony Krupe and some of the other media pundits, one of the things I keep reading is that the college football playoff is going to struggle to get more money this time around, that ESPN may be the only bidder, and that the streaming services are likely not to jump in whole hog. Your thoughts on just in terms of, of dollars you know, per year, uh, how, how's the college football playoff going to do? Don't believe everything you read. <laughs> only Sportico. I only believe Sportico, Bill. Everything else, everything else I do not believe. <laughs> what do you know that we don't know? Where, 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 what do you, tell me something I don't know about these streaming services in college football. Oh, the popularity of, this, of college football is amazing. And um, the popularity of postseason in any sport is amazing. So we're combining the, the two of the very best elements of, of athletics a very popular event and a and a postseason that's really meaningful don't believe everything you read shifting focus bill to the to the to the teams themselves the alabama seems like they're in the postseason every year washington a relatively newcomer i'm curious if you see any difference between the way that that, that alabama interacts with with this semifinal game or goes into the semifinal game from a business standpoint as you're talking about travel and logistics and traveling parties and things like that versus what you see from a school like washington which again has not been in nearly as many college football semifinals as as alabama has yeah that's a fun that's a fun question to think about evan we uh uh, parties from every school go to, to, to Houston and they go to the bowl game sites well in advance of, of the games to do their planning. And they might bring 15 people, each school might, band director, football operations people, uh, president's office. I would say that if you've been here before, you have a little better idea of what to expect. I would say that Washington and Texas this year 
were so earnest and, and, and so so eager to get prepared and learn the ropes, uh, whereas Michigan and Alabama, who had been here before, not that they were laissez-faire by any means, but but they were a little more calm about what to expect. And and it was it was really fun to welcome the two new schools. Well, last year we had the same thing with TCU. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that that excitement there on those campuses is palpable. Another big change you guys have played in the past few years, you've done a lot of your games, your semifinal games on New Year's Eve um, and now back on New Year's Day. How different is the audience? How different is the planning knowing that you're on New Year's Day as opposed to, to New Year's Eve, which I imagine is a, is a slightly more difficult window from a, from a television standpoint? There's a lot of Venn diagram overlap between Ryan Seacrest fans and college football fans. So you, 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 you want to make sure everybody gets what they want. Well, I will tell you this to that question, uh, Richard Clark, the new executive director, when he played college football at the Air Force Academy, he was known as Dick Clark. Now, young people will not understand the connection between Dick Clark <laughs> and New Year's Eve, but, but some of us older people do. Anyway. Well, Bill, uh, there's a reason why Penske Media bought Dick Clark Productions. We, we remember here. We're, we're, we're like Pepperidge Farm. We remember. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Um, New Year's Eve turned out to not be the greatest for us. Um, we tried yeah. something there, and we, we, it just didn't work as well as we had hoped. So um, we're always going to do better when we're New Year's Day, like we are this year uh, in the Rose and Sugar Bowls. Uh, we, we're going to have tremendous viewership. I will say this, and people have to be careful to talk too much about viewership. Uh, the TV people will probably tell you, the viewership, yes, yes, the, the game, the time, the window, all that. But what really helps viewership is competitive games. And just look at our blockbuster semifinals last year. And because we had those competitive games. I, I hate to do this. I've never done this before. But I have something else I have to do. So <laughs> we're going to have to ask totally you. Totally fair. Eben, you've, uh, you've never been busy enough to have something else to do? And I, Good to know, Bill. Could I get a hall pass, please? You, of you, course. You can. Course. I am happy to. Uh, Bill, thank you very much. That's Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff. Um, happy to be joined here. He joined late, but Scott Soshnick, you can follow him on, on Twitter. I like at to Soshnick. talk right over him, Bill, as he's closing I am the Eben show. Novi really Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. When I was in the show is produced by Erin Greenewald. So you wouldn't thank lose you very the much pass. to Erin Greenewald for all her work. And Sportacus <laughs> Digital Media editor Cora Veltman would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacus. I, it's almost like he's not even talking anymore. Of the Sportico Media Network. <laughs>